0: All right, what's up everybody? Welcome to the show. Today is Thursday, December 14th, 2023. Welcome to episode number 515 of Simply Cyber's Daily Cyber Threat Briefing. I am your host, Dr. Cheryl Dozier. and over the next 45 minutes, me, you, Mostef, Talibquili, Senfalis, Marcus Kyler, Adam, the whole Yeet Crew, Seabright, Alex Goodwin from Down Under, Kenyon, Ezo, Raniel Isaac, Soulshine the mod team like Kimberly, Eric Taylor and Jesse Johnson, Philip Martin and John De La Cruz coming in hot. We're all going to be shredding the top cybersecurity news stories of the day and I'll be giving my expert opinion and analysis on each of those stories on what it means to you as a practitioner or if you're looking to get into the industry there's going to be value for you here because you're going to be asked in any single job interview how do you stay current on the industry and guess what guys every single weekday morning we're here delivering hot takes and the cool news so you are absolutely engaged and up to date yeah yeah that's that's fine i'm talking over the music i just meant uh i wanted to make sure people could hear black star coming in hot uh to launch the show um Listen, you're going to be asked in any show, and that's all good. Guess what, y'all? Full disclosure, I do not prepare or research any of these stories um, getting going at the beginning. God, I'm all over the place. I don't research any of these stories, so you're getting my rough, rugged, raw, straight from the hip thoughts and opinions. But I've been doing this a very long time. I've got those thoughts and opinions, and I feel like they are informed, so that's what's up. Hot cakes. No, Brandon Peck. Hot takes. All right, guys. So, hey, just so everybody knows, each episode of the Daily Cyber Threat Briefing is worth half a CPE. So they stack um, two and a half a week, ten a month. Say what's up in chat. Grab a screen cap and uh, you'll be all set. Now, before we get into it, let me give a shout out. Let me give some love to my sponsors your sponsors, right? The the businesses that I am proud to affiliate with that do enable me to deliver this uh, show to you on the reg, starting with my good friend, Panopsi Security. Guys, get a partner who understands your cyber program and your business goals. If you're looking for a quantified risk assessment, assistance with a tabletop exercise, just getting uh, sorted out from a practitioner perspective, guidance, strategic planning, 2024 goals. What's the current thought landscape? Guys, take advantage of Penopsi security. Here's the deal. You can pay like a fraction of what you would pay for a full-time CISO and get them for you know six weeks, right? And have them come in and get you all sorts of sorted out, all sorts of value. Get a partner. That's literally, this isn't marketing copy. It's like literally get a partner who can help you get your program straightened out. Believe me, it hurts a lot less and it costs an A-load less to get it straight before boom happens. Right of boom? Well, you got to deal with that hot mess express when it happens. All right. Also want to say shout out and love to Anti-Siphon Training. Anti-Siphon Training is disrupting the traditional training industry in the cybersecurity space by providing high-quality, cutting-edge, next-level training at a freaking unbelievable price point. Many times, zero dollars. But even when they do charge, it's ridiculously affordable and reasonable. Go check them out. Their training is delivered with high-frequency, high-regularity, high-quality, and... And their pay what you can training, which is going to be um, coming out the gates hot in 2024, is pay what you can, including zero dollars. John Strand, the man behind uh, behind Simply Cyber. Okay, John, sorry about that. Uh, John Strand, the man behind Black Hills Information Security. He is the one teaching some of these courses. End of January, early February, you can do pay what you can courses. And John's courses... Active Defense Cyber Deception at the end of January, and SOC Core Skills at the beginning of February. Look at this right here, back-to-back training. This right here is a freaking gold mine. If you can get in on this, and John will be the first to tell you, do it for $0, okay? He is absolutely hooking the uh, community up, and I'm telling you guys, I've taken this course right here. It's phenomenal. I have a video on the channel. Of course I have a video on the channel uh covering what you can expect from that course i love it i haven't taken this one but i'm sure it's excellent dude you can't beat zero dollars like you tell me you show me a better deal all right we also got barricade cyber but more about them at the mid-roll because you know you know how barricade does shout out and thanks to eric taylor for covering the stream yesterday many of you are regulars and uh, are aware that I I came and kicked off the show Worldwide Wednesday, and then I split to go to a uh, performing arts concert with my son as chaperone dad. I'm going to just go out on a limb and and say I was the coolest chaperone. According to a poll, uh, (laughs) an anecdotal non-scientific poll uh, conducted by me uh, of eight-year-olds in the space, I was the coolest uh, chaperone out there all right guys hey if you're live with us let us know we got 220 of you gorgeous people in here right now hashtag team live if you're in chat if you're on replay hashtag team replay do love some replay action and if today is your first episode friends if it's your first episode say what's up in chat with a hashtag first timer hashtag first timer that is where it's at we've got a special sound effect for you our friend and we've got a special Sound bit. And I just realized, guess what? I've got memberships to give away. So check this out. I'm going to get five memberships right now. Get them while they're hot. Bing, bing, bing. There we go. I just did it. Come on, giddy up. I love it. I hope a first timer gets it. Welcome to the party, pal. Welcome to the party, pal. Love it, love it, love it. Hey, you know what? I, I can give out. Uh, I can give out squad memberships too. So get up on that. And by the way, I just gave out five and five more until we unlock a new emote, which means we've got a new emote. I just got to uh, figure out what to do and plug it. But let's go. We got work to Hey, fun is fun, but we got work to do. Sit back, relax, and let's let the cool sounds Fancy. of the hot news wash over us. I'll see you the at the mid-roll. Series, it's cybersecurity headlines.
1: These are the cybersecurity headlines for Thursday, December 14th, 2023. I'm Rich Straffolino. UK ransomware report isn't pretty. The UK Parliament's Joint Committee on National Security Strategy issued a report on the state of ransomware in the country. It found that the government's failure to tackle.
0: Hold on, Emmanuel Saki over on LinkedIn. Emmanuel, what's up? X developer over on YouTube. Ex-developer. Welcome to the party, pal. Welcome to the party, pal. Let's get those emotes. Let's get those emotes. John McLean in the house. Welcome to the party, pal. First-timers, welcome to the party. Welcome to the party, pal. A Ric Flair emote? <gasps> we, can, we
1: might be able to do that, Mia. The problem carries a high risk the country could face a catastrophic ransomware attack at any moment. The report further criticized the UK's home office for deprioritizing ransomware policy over other issues like illegal migration. It further calls on the Home Office to lose responsibility for ransomware, instead handing that over to the Cabinet Office and National Cybersecurity Center with direct oversight by the Deputy Prime Minister. The report also calls for increased funding to the NCSC to better assist public entities experiencing ransomware attacks.
0: All right. So a couple things here. Um, a couple things, maybe during jaw and We got a little bit of time. Joshua Mays. <laughs> Chi uh Oli, also uh Juliet. Welcome to the party. Pal. Welcome to the party, pal. Love all the first timers. Seriously, guys. Hope you're uh loving it, loving it, loving it. Uh okay, so hey, if there's a is Kenneth Ruffin here, uh or any uh UK people, uh Pip Pip Cheerio, all that, I would love some insights into this particular story. Now remember, I don't analyze or review these things in any capacity ahead of time. But what I will say is the following. This right here, my initial reaction, and this is uninformed, okay? So tinfoil hat, hold on. Tinfoil hat time, just a quick little tinfoil hat. Going, 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 going. My first thought is this is one part true and then one part uh, political fighting, okay? So you tell me, you tell me uh, if, if there's a UK people here, you tell me if I'm close on this one, this right here smacks with whoever is in charge of like protecting, uh, you know, the homeland at UK, um, whoever did the investigation and found that there was like they were at risk of catastrophic ransomware attacks might be on the other side and trying to use this as a opportunity to embarrass, undermine and ultimately try to, you know, um, uh, like basically replace or get them going. Cause this just seems strong. Okay. Now it's not completely, um, exactly. So BSEC is saying if Congress did the same thing, we get the same report. Like, that's what I'm saying. I feel like this is a, this is a political weapon, right? To say catastrophic, catastrophic guys in the world of information security. And within the subsection of GRC, when you say catastrophic, That means something like that specific word means something. A catastrophic failure of a business is like the business goes out of business. Catastrophic is immediate need to rectify, start, stop everything and fix this, right? So like to me, again, I'm not, there is a possibility that this is a true finding, but my suspicion is that it's rooted in some truth and you could point to evidence and Saying something is catastrophic versus like significantly high or really concerning, those are all subjective analysis. There's no objective, quantified way to say, oh no, this is catastrophic and this is not catastrophic, right? It's all subjective, it's all open to interpretation. Now, having said all of that, the UK better get their crap together, right? Like ransomware is rampant. Again, There's best practices from from ransomware, right? Like backups, education, hardening, uh, attack surface reduction, like there's a million things. Ransomware blew up, it's been around for a while, but it like blew up legitimately on the scene in 2017. It had its heyday during the crypto summer of like 2019, 2020, 2021, right? It's still still raging, right, Lockbit? We hear about ransomware every single day. So here's my final thoughts on this, okay? And I hate to be such a wet blanket, but I have worked in the industry for a very long time. If there was a true catastrophic flaw, if there was a risk that was so exposed, like, like if there was a vulnerability or some combination of vulnerabilities that was so egregious, that there would be a catastrophic impact. It would have happened already. You, you know what I'm saying? Like, like you don't go six years with a government that's considered like one of the front runners in a first world power that is also aligned with NATO. That is also one of the, uh, like good old boys in the, in the circle of like non you know, like uh, of the groups that are anti Western government, Western philosophies. You don't go that long and not have your catastrophic failure realized. Like, like seriously, taking this to GRC for a minute, right? When you're doing, when you're doing a risk analysis, okay. You like again, I'm simplifying this, right? But you look at likelihood and you look at impact, okay. When you're like rule of thumb for subjectivity on likelihood. It's like the likelihood, is it likely to happen every day? Is it likely to happen a couple times a year? Is it likely to happen a couple times every 10 years? Is it likely to happen like once ever, right? These are kind of the, this is kind of like the spectrum on what you say is like, oh, it's very likely. It's unlikely. It's not possible, right? Like this is the kind of, rule of thumb you use to quantify that semi quantitatively catastrophic bro like it's been at least at least 6 years of like mainstream ransomware attacks 6 years if if it's going to happen it's going to happen so then what i'm thinking is maybe the impact is catastrophic but the likelihood is very low all right and when it's high impact very low when you do the risk matrix alignment that's a low risk Okay. Maybe, maybe medium. All right. So anyways, I just think that this is why I said, I think it's like puffed up and maybe a political weapon. I don't know. I'm not looking at chat cause I'm losing my mind here. So chat, if anyone said anything um, about the UK and their thoughts on that would love it. Um, does the UK have a Gen Easterly handle this? The UK wishes they had a Jen Easterly to handle this.
1: Microsoft warns of OAuth abuse Microsoft's threat intelligence team reports it saw a rise in threat actors using OAuth applications as a means to automate attacks everything from business email compromise to deploying malicious VMs the attackers initially target user accounts without multi-factor authentication enabled with phishing attacks attempting to gain permission within OAuth apps from there, hijacked accounts create new apps with high privileges. In one instance, Microsoft found a threat actor creating roughly 17,000 OAuth apps to send an almost million phishing messages. The company recommends using MFA to
0: make that initial compromise more challenging. Oh, my God. The company recommends MFA. Are you? Why are we not using multi-factor authentication in 2023? Like, give me an answer that is acceptable to anybody on why you don't have MFA. And and I'll tell you this, okay? I'll tell you this. There are again, I I'm I don't see these stories in advance, so you're getting my initial reaction, and I just came over the top rope and dropped to the people's elbow on accounts that don't have MFA, but I will say there are there are examples of where you sh- you don't have MFA, okay? Or or you allow shared accounts. Emmanuel Dark with the um, super chat. Je- Saint Jenny Easterly, our later, our Lady of Cybersecurity. Did we just become best friends? Yep. Oh my God, so true. There are examples where you can have no MFA. Having said that, they're very few and far between. And your general end user population absolutely should have MFA. There is, in in my opinion, in my world, right? If you don't enable MFA. You don't work here, period end of story. it is too valuable a control it's It's like, dude, like can you imagine can you imagine telling a business that you're gonna take the locks off the doors? Hey, hey, don't worry, we're not doing door locks anymore. That would be absurd. No business owner would agree to that. They'd be like, "You're friggin insane. you're fired, Jerry, okay, so saying no MFA is equally stupid. Okay. And I, I typically don't try to throw shade and be like very mean, uh, on the stream and stuff, but dude, there's no reasonable explanation to run without MFA unless th- there isn't like, if you're not, it's just so stupid. Like, you can avoid this. We have the technology. It's been rolled out. People are using it for all sorts of things all over the place. Like, from a familiarity and a social mainstream immersion, my Aunt Dorothea knows what MFA is. She doesn't call it MFA, but she knows that she needs to do a second thing to get into her accounts. Threat actors are full-scale automating. They're probably leveraging AI in order to expedite tens of thousands of attacks on the reg. Put MFA in place. I challenge you, roll out MFA and let people call and complain. Also, just because it's completely relevant right now, I want to tell you all, and if you ask me during jaw and I'll go into greater detail uh, because me and the mods were talking about it earlier today, this morning. If you've never rolled out MFA, it is not trivial, okay? Like for for O365 and for your like mainstream organization, like rolling it out for something like this cloud app or whatever is fine. But like rolling out MFA for a large business or for any business, frankly, it's not trivial, okay? There are lessons learned. You will have a ton of end users who don't do it before the deadline. You can make video content. They won't watch it. They need their handheld. And if you have, like, let's say 1,500 employees and only 10% sign up. So now you've got like 1,350 that did not. And then you turn on MFA, which is a technical control, which means they can't stop it. It happens on Monday at 8 a.m. Boom. 1,350 people aren't going to get into their email on Monday afternoon. 1,350 people are going to call help desk and blow up that thing. So like, and there's, there's a million other things. There's best practices. There's lessons learned. Ask me if you're interested, ask me. But if you, are, if you are here and you don't have MFA and you finally have enough political capital at your business to roll it out, don't just turn it on and head out for the day. Like that would be a devastating move, okay? It, turning on MFA is not trivial, okay? But it, it should be done. And guess what? That's why we have a freaking job. Like, it's not easy. Our job is not easy. And by the way, even though it's a security control, lean really hard on your IT brethren and buy Krispy Kreme donuts for help desk because they're absolutely going to get slammed. Apple discloses pushback to push notification disclosure.
1: Last week, a letter from Senator Ron Wyden revealed that law enforcement officials from various countries maintained a practice of requesting push notification records from both Apple and Google. Apple now has updated its policy to require a judge's order to hand over this information. The company previously updated its policies to make that data available with a subpoena or greater legal process. The policy change puts it on par with Google, which claims it always required judicial approval for the records.
0: All right, couple things really quickly Alex Goodwin tell us how you really feel. I got to tell you like as much as I love Jenny Sterling, and I love infographics and I love vulnerabilities that get cool logos. I despise MFA is not being implemented and remote desk like specifically port 3389 Microsoft remote desktop open to the internet. Those two things, oh, back up because this baby is gonna explode. If there was a somehow attack that involved MFA. Uh, excuse me, MF, lack of MFA with remote desktop 3389 coming in. I think I think, I think I I would go Super Saiyan and, and like that would be the end of me. Like I would just, I wouldn't be able to de-evolve after evolving into Super Saiyan mode. I'd just be like that glowing thing full time. All right. So Apple requires uh, judges consent to hand over push notification. We covered this in the news a couple days ago that the government for a while has been making requests to Google and Apple Uh, for end user data using push notifications to identify where they are in a geolocation perspective. And I think that's it. I don't think they were able to like compromise data, but they can see uh, when push notifications get pushed where someone is, which you might think like, who cares? But if you correlate it, like let's say me and Alpha Sierra and Brandon Peck are like conspiring to do something, right? We're the cocaine cowboys of Miami circa 1983. We've got cigarette boats. We're hauling butt from Bermuda doing like 200 miles an hour with a, with a cargo load that could sink us. $80 million, right? We're hauling butt, right? And law enforcement wants to know, are we together? Well, ding, 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 three pings, and they see all three of them are together in the cigarette boat moving across the water, right? So there is uh, there's like just one example of how that data could be used to correlate and identify. Uh, also, obviously, it could be weaponized. If me and Nick Barker are, are getting together to uh, have a revolution around some social issue or to mount a, um, a campaign uh, ousting authoritarianism, that same group could use it to figure out who is with me at that same time, so they could identify who is the network of you know whisperers or, or little birds that are in the the network trying to work together to conspire, um so anyways, way to go. Apple, I will tell you this apple two two things, okay? One apple uh is very like outspoken around individual privacy and trying to make it um a priority, right? They ran a bunch of campaign ads. After the San Bernardino shooter, FBI went to the mattress, I mean, FBI, Apple went to the mattresses um, with the FBI on not putting a magic backdoor into all iPhones and iPads. So Apple puts their money where their mouth is. Now, uh, I do find it a little interesting and I hate to be an a-hole, sorry, Kennedy, I hate to be a jerk, but... um, Apple could have required a judge's consent before the news broke. So, like, basically, the news broke. Apple gets a black eye, and and it looks ugly. And now they're like, oh, hey, you know what? Let's require a judge's uh, order uh, before we hand over data. See? We love privacy. It's like, well, you could have done it before it became bad pub for you, Apple. Just saying. Sorry, not sorry. Kiss me outside. How about that?
1: Google Gemini coming to enterprises. Last week, Google announced its next generation LLMs called Gemini. It's wasting no time deploying them, announcing Gemini Pro for enterprises. This will launch as a free offering for existing cloud customers through Google AI Studio and Vertex AI, and developers can build apps on top of these models. Eventually, Google will launch a competitively priced standalone offering. Google will make its more powerful Gemini Ultra model available to select cloud customers for early experimentation. And it has plans for a public release of that next year.
0: And- all right. couple of things. A uh, couple of things. One, um, Google released Gemini. I, I do owe the community. I told you all I solicited feedback for a Gemini versus ChatGPT4 video. I have everything prepped for that video. Um, it, it, I just want I just want everybody to know that um, when I say I'm going to make a video or I ask for feedback from you guys, it's not lip service. It's just I've been super focused on Cyber 101 and trying to be a present um, husband and father. Um, so cer- certain things have not got the attention. Uh, that they need. So uh, just know that I will be making the video and and I've got some other big plans for 2024. But a- anyways, all that's to say, Google has got this tool. Um, they are going to be you know, allowing cloud customers, Google Compute. They're obviously using it as some type of market share move to get more market into Google Compute. Um, if you guys know, like AWS and Microsoft or Amazon and Microsoft through Azure and AWS, they own like, The major percentage, I don't know what it is, but it's definitely over 50%. If I had to guess, I would say like 75% of the market, um, meaning companies that leverage cloud, are using AWS or Microsoft Azure. And if you use a company, like like let's say you use a cloud-based tool for, like say you use some tool that like takes in a video and makes like YouTube shorts, right? Like something AI related, or you're using mid journey, right? Or or even chat GPT, right? Like it's a cloud service. It's backend is on Azure or AWS. Highly likely. Okay. So, you know, you're not a direct consumer of Google, uh, of Microsoft, Azure, AWS, but like you're using it, right? Netflix is built on AWS, for example. Google has been like the, you know, the, like basically <laughs> this is such an American reference, but like in America, the NHL is like a second tier pro sport. Like I love the NHL, but it'll never ever get on the same pedestal as like NFL, Major League Baseball, which sucks. And the NBA, Um, and Google Compute is like that. Google Compute is like really good and it's a great service and it's got tons of money behind it, but it never really has uh got on the same level as AWS and Azure. And Google's trying to, you know, do that. And this is one of those, key differentiators, one of those services, Uh, they'll be selling it, of course. Uh, And I'm sure there's some type of like trade-off between what you put in there versus what they're allowed to use. But check out, you know, I'm going to do a video on Gemini Pro. We'll see. This is just an opportunity for Google to sell it. Again, this is not a cybersecurity story. Look for 2024 as me and the mod team have been discussing ways to make the morning news feed More curated for our Simply Cyber community experience. More about that in Q1 uh, or at the all hands call on January 4th. Uh, Let's just move on from this one.
1: Now a word from our sponsor, Barricade Cyber Solutions. Don't let ransomware ruin the holidays again this year. Prepare and spread holiday cheer with RecoverFromRansomware.com. The trusted DFIR experts at Barricade Cyber Solutions have saved 3,000 and counting businesses from ransomware attacks, including small and medium businesses just like yours. Barricade Cyber is your solution for rapid data and systems recovery. Book a meeting directly with the CEO to discover how to recover from
0: ransomware. Visit recoverfromransomware.com. Coalition for open all right. Uh, I'm sorry, I was like hyper league chatting about why I throw shade at Major League Baseball. Alright, guys, hey, first timers. Welcome to the party. Welcome to the party, pal. pal. Long timers. You know what we're doing here. Alright, y'all. Hey, 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 hey. Watch my voice phase out. I want to thank all of you for being here. Oh, thank you so much, Kimberly. Alright, hey guys, check it out. Thank you all so very much. I want to thank the stream sponsors, Barricade Penopsi, and Anti-Siphon Training. So good, so amazing. The Simply Cyber Breakfast Crew, Breakfast Club. I love it. Hey, if you're getting value from the stream, whether it's entertainment value, educational value, if you like Black Star at the beginning, give me a favor, hit the like button hit the like button. It goes a long way to helping other people find the stream. It's basically that's why I'm asking you to do it. If you get value from the stream, pay it forward and help somebody else find the stream. It's as simple as that. Will read hit the like button as he says, smash it. Guys, it is Thursday, which means it's Dan Reardon's meme of the week. We have a community member aka Haircut Fish who makes custom memes for the channel. This week is hilarious. Stay tuned for a few minutes. We're going to get it doing. Lego pig guy. Welcome to All right. Good luck on the SEC plus Lego pig guy. All right, guys. Hey, want to say shout out to the Simply Cyber Community Challenge. Marion Perez. Hey, Marion Perez. Uh, posted the Simply Cyber Community Challenge. Marion has the baton. I would love to ask Marion in chat to tag somebody with the baton. For everybody else, listen to me, if you would like to invest five minutes of your time over the course of two weeks, five minutes a day, two weeks, if you have five minutes, in order to build a professional network on LinkedIn, that's absolutely going to be worth it. Listen, I'm telling you, this is worth your time. This is a complete, this is something that you will take with you. It costs nothing other than five minutes a day. Go on LinkedIn, search for this hashtag. Connect with the people posting with the hashtag, they're the baton holders. We do one a day. Comment on the post. Connect with the people in the comments. Find the post, connect with the poster, comment, connect with the commenters. So you're actively building your network with like-minded security professionals. Now, because you commented in the post and the next person's going to connect with the people in comments, including you, You will be passively building your professional network with like-minded, valuable cybersecurity members. Five minutes a day, but you'll be connecting way more than five minutes a day. Two weeks time, see the results. I promise you, you will thank me. You will come back to the stream. You will say, Jerry, you were right. And I'll say, hey, it's all about good times. Let's roll, baby. And you'll keep doing it. So much value. Marion, please tag somebody in chat. All right, guys, check it out. Check it out. Today is What's Your Meme Thursday. We've been doing Welcome to the Party, Pal, John McClane, Christmas movie, Die Hard. For all those who know the Die Hard franchise, you know what's up. Here is the meme of the week. Hey, what do you say, John? Fly into Vegas. Have a couple laughs. There we go. Thank you so very much. This is a scene from Die Hard where John McClane, a.k.a. the actor Bruce Willis, is crawling through the HVAC system uh, trying to get away from the terrorists who have taken over the Nakatomi Plaza. It's it's an iconic scene, and it totally ties into our welcome to the party, pal. So thank you very much, Dan Reardon. Love it, love it, love it. All right. Oh, I got to have that phase out a little bit better. Note to self, make that phase out. All right, guys. Thank you so very much.
1: Let's keep going. Digital Ecosystems Forms to head off the EU. A group of tech companies formed this new coalition to work on how to implement current and upcoming EU regulatory frameworks through open platforms. Members will work with academics and policymakers in an attempt to comply and lead the conversation around open platforms. Founding members include Google, Meta, Qualcomm, Lenovo, Honor, Motorola, Nothing, and Opera. This comes as the EU's Digital Markets Act requires designated gatekeeper platforms to allow third parties to interoperate with their platforms.
0: All right, couple things here. One, this is more of an antitrust thing than anything. The EU's pushing for this. Um, and basically, they Google, Meta, Qualcomm, I'm sure Amazon, like, dude, the the big tech players and again like take a step back the big tech players out there your google your your fang right your top f- fortune 10 companies that are big tech your elon musk your jeff bezos your mark zuckerberg your bill gates okay they are 21st century gilded age people okay Rock like so in the United States at the turn of the century in the industrial age, when we went from like farms to factories, okay, there were people like Rockefeller, JP Morgan, Vanderbilt. There was this like posse of the wealthiest upon wealthy people, like, like, stupid money where like they were basically like flexing on each other with like how big their mansion was or how big their property was, right? If you've ever been to Asheville, North Carolina, Vanderbilt had like when Vanderbilt died, he like gave away a huge piece of his land, not even like all his land, a huge piece of his land. And it is a national park. Okay. Just like put that in perspective. The dude gave away part of his property. Like my house is built on a postage stamp. This dude (laughs) had like a park. Okay. So 21st century, fast forward, um, you know, 50s, 60s, things broke up. Uh, We moved into, you know, global supply chain, you know, et cetera. And the Gilded Age kind of faded away. Now we live in a 21st century Gilded Age. And it's the big tech companies who control information and data that are the wealthiest of wealthy people in the United States. Now, like if you go look at Russia, the oligarchs over there, it's more about resources, energy, steel, et cetera, et cetera. But, but in the United States, it's big tech people. All right, that's how they make money. So, So this whole thing around open digital ecosystems is trying to very politely, in a very British way, try to limit the amount of essential monopolies or antitrust kind of situations where these big tech companies are making proprietary Protocols, interfaces, they could throw tons of money at it. They can gatekeep and require you know, either payments or purchasing of protocol standards and crap like that in order to be able to interface and use these large ecosystems and tap into it from a fair market advantage. This right here, again, this isn't a cybersecurity story. Like mods, we really gotta, this is like, um, as I'm talking about, I'm like, this is not a cyber story. So here's the deal. They're requiring more open digital ecosystems. The one thing I'll say, straight cash, homie. homie. This is not in the vested interest of Google, Meta, these big tech companies. So why would they do it? Well, here's the thing. You can either ride the lightning and try to have some insight and influence into how it's shaped, or you can be a passerby and hope for the best. And obviously, these companies are super interested in making sure that the open digital ecosystem is meets the letter of the law on fairness but also f- is favorable to like whatever investments in infrastructure protocol standards staff uh, research e- education that they've already implemented and paid for and if possible it doesn't <laughs> it doesn't serve their competitors right Capitalism's funky, man. Capitalism is a really—I um, like capitalism, but there are dark, you know, there's dark underbelly, seedy underbellies of capitalism, where like, you know, Google, like I said, Google with this Google um, Gemini thing is competing directly with Microsoft and OpenAI. It's an arms race, right? So like, Google's interested in things in the open digital ecosystem, working with Google, and maybe not. Who like Google doesn't care if it works with Microsoft. You feel me? That's capitalism. Again, thanks for the cyber story. Ukraine claims that was sarcasm.
1: Russian tax service. The country's defense intelligence directorate claims it compromised and corrupted databases and backups belonging to Russia's state tax service. This involved accessing several centralized servers, as well as over 2300 regional ones throughout Russia and occupied Crimea. The agency claims this completely disrupted the tax services infrastructure, as well as its ability to communicate with authorities in Moscow. There's no word on these attacks from Russia's tax authority itself or mentions on state media.
0: Oh, my gosh. Is this a cyber story? What? what? Oh. All right. So check it out. Um, This is interesting. Continued cyber attacks in the Ukrainian-Russian conflict. I'll be adding this to my Cybersecurity 101 course. The last module in my Cyber 101 course is on cyber warfare. And like literally, like the news doesn't disappoint. I chose it last so I could have as up-to-date as intel as I could possibly have. I will be including this. So guys, you got to think like running a war and running a country costs money, right? I know that they're conscripting Russian citizens, whether they like it or not. But even if I force, like how many people are here? 396. Like, let's just say, for example, I am somehow able to conscript all 396 of you into the Simply Cyber Army, okay? That's fine. I forced you and it cost me $0. I still have to give you weapons. I still have to give you um, clothes, maybe. Um, I still have to pay for um, like fuel for the vehicles, right? Like you can't just like, you can't, Stand up an army or military capability and not have expenses, right? It's it's just that's I mean that's part of the reason why the United States is always at war because the war machine uh, generates a lot of revenue and it's good for the economy. Okay, so how do they get some of the money that kind of fuels the you know their their war machine in Russia? Partly through taxes. So I could see this as a savvy move by Ukraine attacking the tax service uh, separating and, and, and kind of screwing over the ability for the tax service at the remote locations to coordinate, communicate, uh, in internally and share information. And probably, uh, I I'm sure if you trace this far enough down the stream, you'll find that there is financial impact that the Russian state, you know, the country of Russia is somehow not getting access to the funds they need, or they're not able to understand how, um, Like, how much they should expect, right? So, again, like, if you think of Russia as a business, it's a massive multi billion dollar business. You can't just be running it like FTX with QuickBooks. Like, it's very complicated. You have an entire, I I guarantee you that Russia has like a finance ministry or finance agency that handles all these things for the business of Russia. So, when you're screwing with the tax service, uh, it is, not an impact today, it's not like a denial of service. We're like, oh, we're not going to be open in the stock market today, we're under attack. This is a downstream slow burn impact, and uh it's just another, you know, it's just another brick in the wall. Um <laughs> it's just another brick in the wall in this ongoing conflict. So uh we will not see, in in my opinion, we will not see like a, a direct correlation between Russia's war machine and the ability to execute certain missions and stuff tied directly to the impact of this attack but just macro level if you if you kneecap the funding of anything it's going to have depreciated capabilities period end of story it's the same thing with like ransomware or like on a, on a manufacturing business right if you ransomware a manufacturing business a lot of their product is already on the store shelves a lot of their product is already on the trucks going to the distribution centers a lot of um, engineers are working on blueprints, but the, there is an impact in the middle of the supply chain of the machines producing widgets or baubles or whatever. And you don't see that impact on day one, but in three months, you're going to see like an air bubble basically pop. Um, it's like an air bubble in a, in a hose that you're siphoning, right? Like at some point, wherever that manufacturing stopped, That's when the air bubble is going to pop. Could be three months, six months, whatever, down the stream. But you will feel that impact. And the same is going to happen for Russia right here. Attackers use proof of concept on Apache. According to the scanning provider
1: Shadow Server, threat actors began attacking a recently patched vulnerability in the Apache Struts web app framework using publicly available proof of concept code. Apache patched this exploit on December 7th, which opens the door to an attacker uploading malicious files, ultimately to exploit code. While Struts remains widely used, Shadow Server saw only a small number of IP addresses impacted, at least so far.
0: Sorry, just throwing shade in mod chat. All right, hey hackers, hackers! Uh, exploiting critical Apache Struts. Ooh, okay. Hey, hey Apache Struts. Um. What is it? 2015 called? Equifax wants their hack back? What was it? Equifax. What year was Equifax? Let's see. Uh, 2017. I was close. I was close. Dude, if you don't know, Equifax, the U- one of the three U.S. credit agencies, um, suffered a... You want to talk about a catastrophic impact? Their business kept going, but it was hideous for for them from a PR perspective. Equifax suffered a major breach from uh, Apache Struts vulnerability in 2017 that led to 147 million Americans, which is something like 20%, I think. Um, of, oh, excuse me. 40% of the US population. 40%! <laughs> Jesus. Um... Getting exposed, and I know like another 200,000 uh, of credit information, credit card information, stuff like that. Uh, because they take you know whatever, but um, Apache struts back on the scene, public POC. Okay, so hey, really quickly, this is a known vulnerability. There's a known uh exploit going out. I'm surprised, uh, CISA and Jenny, Easterly, like, I'm not saying it's not there, but I would be surprised if CISA. Uh, AKA Jen East, our lady of cybersecurity, Jen Easterly's agency. If that was not um, on the known exploited list, let's go look at the CVE. It's a brand new CVE. I'm going to go ahead and guess. Let's go with a 10.0. I'm, I'm, go- I'm, I'm, I'm going YOLO. The story's a week old bro, bro. All right. Is it a 10.0? Okay. It says nine, eight. Okay. 9.8. eight. Now here's the deal. It's a 9.8, but it's actively being exploited right now. So I suspect this hasn't been updated. 9.8 is typically wicked bad, not exploited. 10.0 is wicked bad, wicked exploited. Uh, there's a proof of concept out there that you can basically download. And with a proof of concept code, it's just a matter of time. like Like, you know, less than weeks probably where a fully fleshed out exploit code will be made available on dark web and then eventually um, clear web. Okay. Now, two things. One, you got to patch it. Okay. Ah, you got to patch it. All right. You got to patch it. Two, Apache struts. It's kind of, again, I'm not an expert in Apache struts, but it's definitely tied to internet facing web application uh, functionality and portals which means it's going to be internet-facing, which means you can use Shodan to find it. The final thing I'll say, even though I say, ah, oh, you got to patch it. ah, oh, you got to patch it. Let me tell you this. At least in um, Equifax's case, as much as I just cropped on Equifax, and, and frankly, they deserved it, okay? They, they should have. They had so much data that they really needed to protect it better. But sometimes... When you apply a patch, it's not as simple as patching your you know, your iPhone or something or your Google Chrome. You don't just go to about. You don't go to about Apache struts and then it's like, oh, updating, updating. Your Apache struts is updated. Like patching Apache struts, at least in Equifax's case, they had so much custom Java and so much customization and custom configuration and custom hard-coded things all over the place that if they had patched it, it would have broke everything. So the business was like, we're gonna ride dirty until you can find a solution where we can patch this and not break everything. So you've got that Delta of time between, we know we're exposed and we've got it fixed. That window is where you're gonna get hacked if you're gonna get hacked, okay? So it's not as simple as just patching it because you can impact the, the system, frankly, by applying a patch. Now, having said all that, okay, what you really should be doing is when, and again, this is easy to say, but like there's something called technical debt or tech debt, right? And when the decisions are made to make customizations and hard code crap and do whatever to anything, whether it's Apache struts or anything else, when you're making those decisions, it seems like a cheap, quick, fast, easy, super uh, effective solution, right? But what you're doing is building technical debt. When you make a custom Apache Struts move and it takes, you know, Jonathan Lindsay, like Jonathan Lindsay is like a crack developer. Hey, Jonathan, thanks for being in my, uh, my made up example right here. Jonathan Lindsay's in chat right now. Professor Black Ops used to love Apache Struts. So, um, Jonathan Lindsay and Professor Black Ops are really working on Apache struts. They love it. They work at Joe Belton's ice cream shop. Everything is groovy. And they're like, hey, we've got this new thing. We want to be able to do this thing for customers. Well, you know, Jonathan Lindsay and Professor Black Ops can hack up a little bit of Python code, a little bit of Java. They can use ChatGPT and just slap it in and it costs the business nothing because they're already paying uh, Jonathan Lindsay and Professor Black Ops it works immediately. So the business is like, you know, pants off excited about it because they're rolling out rapid agile development of new functionality, put it in the newsletter, we've got new features. And in reality, you're not accounting for the downstream impact of those decisions, because you're so short sighted. And you're so you know excited about collecting your pennies you're not thinking about the 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 pounds or the dollars that you're going to have to pay downstream for those decisions and that is the impact of technical debt and why you really should move through a system development life cycle in a coordinated fashion now this isn't much more of a mature control and a mature organization but equifax was a well-funded mature organization and they had this problem wholesale couple years ago. So it's not, you know, so anyways, my point is same thing, just to give you another example before I get out of here or not get out of here, but move on. Here's another example. I've seen this a million times, which is why I choose the example. And if you have seen this in your uh, career journey, please hashtag preach and chat. I just want the people who have not seen this to see the hashtag preach in chat and realize how common this is. Okay. It is so common for some hardworking, over eager, you know, um, super employee, right. To hack up some type of like WordPress site or back in the day, it was like a Microsoft access database or some custom Excel, you know, visual basic application or whatever that solves like a really specific problem or it, 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 it alleviates a little bit of pain or workflow, workflow pain or whatever for the business. And it starts out as like, oh, hey, like we wanted to pay for this like professional solution, but it costs $30,000. And we don't really have budget right now because belts are tightening, recessions on inflation, like whatever. You're going to see it right now in businesses, like in, in 2023 and in early 24, right? So like, oh, but don't worry. Don't worry. Emilio Garcia has drafted up this, this freaking Excel spreadsheet or has written this code or wh- whatever, whatever. Okay, and it's supposed to be a stopgap until you can get the funding in 2024. It's supposed to be a stopgap until you can get the right, you know, talent or whatever in place, and it's literally supposed to be a placeholder. But guess what? It works, and you're on to the next thing. And then you start putting in all this freaking brittle "quote unquote infrastructure." And then guess what happens? Oh, with all due and respect, Emilio Garcia gets promoted or takes a job somewhere else. Or I've seen the examples where the person dies, okay? And like, now you've got this, what has become a critical piece of infrastructure. The business absolutely depends on it because we don't even know how it works, but our workflow depends on this freaking VBA script or this stupid Microsoft Access database thing with a a little you know, janky IIS front end, what are we going to do? And and now you are, now you are compelled to maintain that stupid custom piece of tech debt. And it's, it's ridiculous. Okay. No one ever goes back and does what they were supposed to do, which is fund the actual solution. So again, the, 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 the TLDR here is pound wise or penny wise pound foolish. Anytime someone's like, oh, I could just hack up a quick solution or look what Bobby did. Be like, no, like, okay, okay, okay. Emilio Garcia, look at what he did. Look what Emilio did. This is a great solution, a win across the board. All right, everybody's happy at the table. Be the wet blanket, okay? Be the wet blanket and be like, hey, guys, super love this. Like Emilio Garcia, love your access database. So just curious, when are we going to get funding to replace it? Just curious, what's the plan for decommissioning it? And I know we're having a freaking happy hour celebration for this new tool, but I'm telling you right now, if we don't make it a priority to decommission it or put it on the schedule, so we're talking about it every week or every month or whatever, it will stay and it will grow like a barnacle on the side of the hull of this business's boat. And then we will never get rid of it. And I get that it solves a problem today, but go look at Equifax and Apache Struts 2017. And you tell me, do you want 147 million or 40% of all of your customers to get exposed? Oh, no, of course you don't. So put some thought into it. Don't worry about being the wet blanket. Tell them I sent you. Threads test federating. When Meta
1: released its Threads microblogging service, it said it planned to support the ActivityPub protocol eventually, allowing it to work with other feather-rated services. Now, CEO Mark Zuckerberg said it began testing showing Threads posts on Mastodon and other ActivityPub-compliant services. Zuck didn't share any other details about how the integration will actually work when it's fully released. There's no feature roadmap available yet, so no idea when more users
0: will actually see it. All right, so... Whatever. Threads. Do you guys remember when Threads was hot for like a minute? Like I, I ran to the bathroom and when I came back, Threads wasn't hot anymore. I don't know if you guys, like I, I'm being obviously playfully humorous here, but like Meta Threads was hot, hot, hot. Fancy. Ooh, it was hot. That Ansel's so hot right now. Oh, it was so hot right now. And then it wasn't. So, um... Way to go, Meta, for continuing to, like. I guess, push this a little bit. It's definitely better than uh, their Metaverse uh, bungled uh, investment. I don't know what ActivityPub is, but basically, I know a lot of uh, cybersecurity professionals went to Mastodon. If you're looking, Infosec.exchange. Infosec.exchange is a popular um, Mastodon server. Again, if you guys don't know... Mastodon is like a decentralized social media solution. And with Twitter, everybody's on Twitter and you use kind of like hashtags to like filter out and whoever you hear from and stuff. With Mastodon, anyone can stand up. It's like Discord, kind of. It's kind of like Discord. Like anybody can set up a server and then people join and then like that's all that's there. So Infosec.exchange, as far as I know, that's the one I'm on. I don't use it a lot. Mastodon's kind of janky. But Meta is trying to hook into it to be able to push and pull updates from it in order to get adoption, obviously. Uh, Threads is supposed to be the um, Instagram killer, or excuse me, the Twitter killer. Um, I think Meta owns Instagram. So, anyways, yes, not a cyber story. Welcome to Thursday, where we do memes of the week and apparently less cyber related stories. And I apologize, I do not select these stories in advance. Part of the way that I don't see these or research these in advance, is that I leverage CISO series, um, com in order to uh, populate the stories and the podcast. Uh, so sometimes they choose less cyber-focused stories, um, and that's just what it is. Okay. All right. So we're right at 8.58. Nick Barker. I just want to say Nick Barker, look at us hitting our time marks perfectly. I want to say shout out to Jonathan Lindsay, who has picked up the baton. Guys, go. First of all, thank you, Miriam, for your uh, Simply Cyber uh, Community Challenge post. (gasps) Second of all, Jonathan Lindsay, get on, get on, get on, get on, and post your Simply Cyber Community Challenge post. Look forward to it. All right, guys, if you were here just for the news, have a wonderful day. I wish you the very best right before you go. If you have time at 4.30 p.m. later today, 4.30 4:30 p.m. Eastern Time today, Michelle Kahn is going to be my guest on Simply Cyber Live at 4:30 p.m. today. Michelle Kahn is amazing. Okay, I got to meet him and talk to him in person at Wild West Hackenfest. Fest. He does all sorts of offensive security stuff. He uses Osint in a way I've never seen anybody use, so if you're looking for innovative use cases for Osint, And he's author of the Phantom CISO. I didn't want an agenda for this particular talk because this guy's got so much freaking information and knowledge that I want it to be a fireside chat. Come on in. Bring your questions. Bring your good times. Everybody is welcome. Make the circle as wide as possible. Giddy up on it. Uh, Liam Liam says, uh, I'm on ACI now. Uh, I don't know what ACI is, Liam, but it's great to see you. All right, guys. Hey, if you got a boogie out of here, see you later. This is uh, Jerry. Uh, Well, I'm Jerry. I'm Ron Burgundy. (laughs) Jesus, Jerry. I'm Jerry, your chat, guys. Uh, Hopefully, we see a good portion of you at 4.30 p.m. with Michelle Kahn today. But if not, we'll see you tomorrow for Simply Cyber's Daily Cyber Threat Briefing. Looking forward to a little Christmas music tomorrow morning uh, to kick the show off. All the best, everybody. Go crush your day. Time to pivot over to jaw jacking. Be well, and we'll see you next time. Until next time, stay secure. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to Jaw Jack, and I'm your host, Jerry Guy, where we're going to spend time just kicking it, having fun, talking with the community, networking with each other. I hope you enjoyed the Simply Cyber Daily Cyber Threat Briefing. Why am I yelling? I don't know. I, You know, hey, I got to tell you, Thorn Flint, part of the reason that I'm in a studio that is completely a separate building from my house is because I tend to yell a lot. And uh, if my yelling is uh, problematic, I apologize. Uh, but I just get excited and flip out. And that's what's up. Uh, ACI Learning by IT Pro TV. Oh, great. Liam's on ACI Learning. I got to tell you guys, I don't talk about it except on Wednesdays. ACI Learning, I'm proud to be affiliated with them. Just so you guys know, if you're looking, like if you're trying to learn skill up, whether it's breaking in the industry or get a, a specific skill to help you at your cyber job, if you can get like, I mean, it's not even that expensive, but like if you can get your business to pay for it, go for it on top of it. But dude, ACI Learning, it's high quality content. And it's like, they got a huge catalog of content. You can use my promo code, simply cyber 30, if you want to get 30% off. Again, there's a lot of free stuff out there. There's a lot of free stuff out there, but if time is important, like, so like basically you can do the free stuff, but part of the trade-off is your time, right? So if you have time, you can save money. But if you don't have time and you need to get from like A to B today, that's a good way to do it. And just to share um, a personal story um, that the very, very first job I ever got, like the very first job, um, like professional job, like not dishwashing or whatever, the first job I ever got I went into the interview on, I think, th- Friday. Yeah, I had I had like a first interview or a phone call interview on Friday or whatever, and uh, they're like, "Oh, do you know Pearl?" And like this, this just dates me, right? But like, Pearl used to be quite popular. It's a it's an interpreted programming language. Python has kind of eclipsed it, but like, Pearl was a thing, and I was. I, I had never used Pearl, but I was a software developer at the time. Like I had the skills, computer science background to be able to take it on. And they said, well, we're a Pearl shop. So it's important your interviews on Monday. I said, okay. So I went and bought the O'Reilly learning Pearl book and I spent like 16 hours that weekend going through the whole book learning Pearl. And when I got to work uh, the interview on Monday, I said, Hey, just so you guys know, like I wasn't, I couldn't program in Pearl on Friday, but I can program in Pearl now. And they liked that quite a bit. I got the job. Now, they screwed me over with my salary and, and exploited me, which is a separate story. And I met my wife at that job the first week I started work there. Uh, so it's, it you know, totally worth it. Totally pumped. All right. And by the way, Thorn Flint, I'm really sorry for yelling. I do feel bad about yelling. But yes, thank you, Sid Patton. I am passionate. That's it. That's what's up. All right, so uh, what's going on, guys? You wanna, you wanna, you got anybody got questions? Or I'm, I'm happy to answer questions. I'm also happy to share with you updates, community updates, things that you can expect or I'm working on. Lintel says, "Hey, Gerald, what's your thoughts on college and actually being able to get a job in cyber world without a degree?" Okay, so a couple things. One, oh, Liam, I put you on to um, ACI Learning last night. Oh, perfect. Um, I, I I don't remember Liam. I'm sorry, but I'm not surprised. Here's the thing. I don't remember I get a lot of DMs and I get a lot of messages and I don't remember everything. So what I do is I just I'm just honest and I'm consistent and it takes care of itself because then I don't need to remember. Um, or remember everything. So hey, Lintel asked a really good question about my thoughts on college and being able to get a job inside without a degree. So first of all, Lintel. Cybersecurity skills like hands on keyboard practical skills are dominant right now. So you can get a job without a college degree, but it's very difficult to get through gatekeepers like HR and um, automatic resume screening solutions without a college degree. So, what I will tell you is you need to network, right? So, if you get the hands on skill, you have to professionally network, which is why I flip out about the Simply Cyber Community Challenge on the regular. It's why I tell everybody to join the Discord server on the regular, because you need to professionally network. I gave a talk with James McQuiggan at Wild West Tech on how to network effectively. I gave a talk at Simply CyberCon just recently, same talk on how to network, right? Like actionable steps on how to network. It's so, so valuable. And what I will tell you, and this is something I wish I could go back and tell you know, 19 year old me, college, yes, you're learning in college, but you should absolutely do two things while you're in college. If you go that route one, you should take advantage of extracurricular opportunities like internships, uh, volunteer programs within the department, right? Within computer science department or cyber sciences department, right? Cause it doesn't take much to stand out among your peers by doing more and being involved more, which is ultimately gonna help you because I do it all the time. Like, I don't tell my students that I can get them an internship, but every semester, and by the way, if you don't know, I'm a professor at the Citadel Military College, but every semester, there's usually one or two students that stand out as exceptional. I don't tell them to do it. I don't don't incentivize them and tell them that, you know, if they do these things, they're gonna get rewarded. And then every semester, Charles Finfrock from from Simply Cyber Fame, also the same guy. I'm a crypto evangelist. I love it, love it, love it. Charles Finfrock gets interns from me and he puts them to work at his business and he's had high, high success rate of the interns. So something as simple as that has massive value. Also, you should be networking your face off in college because you're literally talking to other people who are going to get jobs in the industry. All right, let's keep going. Oh man, the questions are really piling in now. This is great. I'll do more of a uh, rapid fire here. Um, oh, so Chris Young says, MFA not being trivial. I kind of outlined this already. If you're going to roll out MFA at your business, and I saw some people in chat say like, small business is no joke. Like guys, you have to... For multi-factor authentication you've got to make a video you've got to make a a simple uh, workflow document like step one step two with screenshots um and also you need to uh, tell the support desk help desk about it and if possible roll it out in a phased approach so like roll out just to like your finance people first or just your sales people or whatever that way you can be hyper focused you can go sit you know like it's going to take a lot of time it's simple simple to toggle the switch on. That's easy, anyone can do that. The hard part is making the time, energy, and effort to go handhold the department, the end users, um, because it's gonna be massive. It's a a massive pain in the A, all right? Um, Does your wife, uh, does my wife do software also? Nope, CJ, my wife does not. Um, I don't wanna go too deep with the doxy, but my wife, has a uh, degree in education in business, uh, in business administration, and business operations. Um, thank you. I, I'm the only nerd. It's so weird. I another reason why I love talking to the Simply Cyber community. All of you is because, like, if you look at my family and my 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 wife and my closest friends, like the three guys that I would consider brothers to me. Okay, they're my absolute closest friends. Like if they called me right now, if my phone rang right now, I would put you guys on hold and answer it. If they said, and one of them lives in Australia. If if they said, I need you right now, I would end the stream and drive to the airport and get on a plane. I wouldn't even pack a bag. Okay. Like that's how, how strong this is. Those three guys, none of them are into like, not even cyber, like none of them are into tech. So I I never really get to like chat or jaw with folks. So uh, for me, this is great. Uh, Nick Barker says he loves the shirt. Nick Barker. I love Nick Barker. Okay. Hey guys, really quickly. Uh, this shirt and the shirt I wore yesterday. Um, I've got an entire Black Hills Information Security uh, wardrobe. <laughs> okay. it's This is coming from the Spearfish store. And you can see this shirt right here is right here, Nick Barker. So if you're interested in this shirt, the hotness this is where it's at. (laughs) And I've got, I literally, I have a problem is what I have. I've got this one, this one, this one. I've also got that, that, that I've got this one, this one, this one. My wife has this one. My kids have this one. Both of them. I have this, this. (laughs) I do not have the purple team one. Okay. I don't have that one. I have a problem. I have a Black Hills information security merch problem. Also, Hey, here's a fun update. Kimberly, Kimberly can fix it. And I have been, um, talking with Black Hills. Don't want to give too much away, but in 2024, simply cyber and Black Hills information security will be collaborating on at least one project that will be available in the spearfish store. And if anyone wants a hint, I'm happy to give a hint. But only if you ask. You've got to twist my arm. I swore to secrecy I wouldn't say anything. Uh, Gary Sturgiatis, have you read The Fifth Domain by Clark Nake? No, I haven't, um, Gary Sturgiatis. Let's check it out. Uh, let's check it out. And I, Oh, I got something else to tease you guys. Fifth do- Domain book. Let's see what it is. Is this Cyber, cyber War? All right. The fifth domain, defending our country, companies, and ourselves. It's uh, Richard Clark. Oh, that's cool. I actually have one of Richard Clark's books. I think it's called The Cyber War. It's like an orange book. Where is it? Yeah, it's this one. They changed it to yellow, but I have the orange version. Not, not to, That's like not a flex. That's just a reality. Um, so he's done great work. Um, this is cool. Um I will tell you what, uh, can I, how do I like save this? I'm going to add Gary, I'm going to add this to my list. I, I, I recently audible was like running a special like five bucks a month for the first four months or something. So I signed up for audible and I am now a audio book consumer. Um, I literally signed up so I could learn more about, um, quantum computing. I felt so embarrassed. And so underprepared when Gary Binder came on a couple weeks ago for quantum security, quantum computing, that I, I I got a book on quantum computing and um. So thank you, Gary. And if you have any thoughts, Gary, on it, let me know. Hey, okay. So uh, who 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 is it? Travis Connor. Oh, Travis. Travis, you minx. Travis twisted my arm. Okay, okay. Please, no mas, I will tell you what is uh, at least one of the collabs we're doing with um, simple, uh, Black Hills Information Security. And let me make sure I don't have a conflict here really quickly, please. Let me let me tell you this, and then I want to show you something else that's wicked cool. Um, okay, we got time, y'all. So, Black Hills Information Security and Simply Cyber are working on a collab. It's going to be a... Um, playing card deck, like 52 cards, like, you know, ace, king, queen, jack, you know, two through 10, right? Playing cards. And the back of the card is going to have like some, you know, custom mashup of like Black Hills and Simply Cyber logo, right? So that's the back of the card. And then we haven't quite figured out all the details, but basically Black Hills is going to get two of the suits, like let's say diamonds and spades and Simply Cyber is going to get hearts and clubs. And we're going to make custom cards for all of them. So you'll be able to play cribbage or, you know, um, spades or whatever. Marcus Kyler, play spades, right? Well, you'll be able to use the cards as real cards, but like every card's going to have something. So like maybe bear versus bear will be like the jokers and John Strand will be the king. And maybe for Simply Cyber, Jen Easterly will be the queen of hearts and Carl will be like the jack of the hearts or whatever. You know what I mean? like the sky's the limit, but what we're going to do is, um, we're going to do that, but also part, it's very complicated because there's a lot of moving parts, but we're also thinking about like engaging. Like I want to, you know how I am guys. I want to engage the community, simply cyber community for input on what all these cards look like and do like, if there's people in the audience or in the community and chat that are graphic designers or artists, and you want to contribute to the artwork, We could do that. Like, it's going to be wicked fun. Hey, LaGrat, be good. Um, All right. So that's what's up. Oh, so George, George says, what are we talking about? I'm sorry. Okay. So check this out. Black Hills Information Security, as many of you know, has a merch store called the Spearfish General Store. The shirt I'm wearing right now comes from that store. You can see it right here on the screen. They reached out to me and said, hey, we'd love to collaborate with you. Do you have any thoughts? Do you have any ideas? And one of the ideas Simply Cyber had with Black Hills in a collaboration is a 52-card standard playing deck, but the cards are going to have really fun stuff on it that are a mashup of Black Hills and Simply Cyber, okay? That's what we're talking about. Yeah, and hey, another thing that's important to me, like I'm not a de- I'm not a... I'm not pretentious or a douche or something. Sorry, Kennedy. I didn't know how to say that in a way that wasn't inappropriate, but like, I'm not going to be like, I'm the king of spades. I'm the ace. Like I I want this to be a community driven initiative. So, um, because there's a lot of cards and there's a lot of community, it's going to be complicated, but we can solve for it. So stay tuned for that. I'm super pumped. Carrie says, I'm learning Bash with Linux and then was told to learn PowerShell. Eric yesterday said that PowerShell is universal. Just wondering if that will get me somewhere with all my other studies. All right. So I will tell you this, Carrie. I don't know what Eric said because I had to leave yesterday. Bash is fine. Um, I mean, I feel like Bash, I wouldn't go too deep down the Bash rabbit hole. Learning a little bit of Bash is fine in case you find scripts or you you're like jump on a Linux box and you got to figure out what's going on. Understanding bash is fine. Unless you're going to be a Linux administrator. I wouldn't be a, um, um, I wouldn't be too hardcore into the bash space. Um, Eric saying PowerShell is universal. I mean, I guess, I mean, PowerShell is a Microsoft programming language to automate Microsoft things. So I don't know how universal it would be. Maybe I'm mistaken, but, um, Understanding PowerShell would certainly be valuable if you're going to do like incident response and do that kind of work. If you're looking to do GRC work, I don't think PowerShell is going to serve you as much as like focusing on other stuff that would be more GRC related. So then it really depends on what you want to do, Carrie. Uh, and Antia Galvez says, hi, Gerald, studying cyber and considering to follow the GRC path in healthcare. Any advice is welcome. I don't see GRC openings in that sector frequently. All right, so Antia... Galvez two things. One, I did GRC in healthcare. So I, you know, this is speaking from a lot of experience. I think working in healthcare is a phenomenal, phenomenal opportunity. Like you're dealing with like really challenging end users, right? Clinical facing staff. You're dealing with an incredible mission, patient safety. You're dealing with um, specialized technology and medical devices that you can't really touch. You're dealing with like research and vendors getting involved. So it's a very, very interesting, challenging, rewarding industry to work in. Uh, as far as GRC goes, if you're looking for specific uh, jobs, I would look for HIPAA HIPAA analyst, uh, healthcare risk analyst, cybersecurity analyst, identity and access management. Um, there's there's uh, some solutions out there. One is called Epic EPIC. That's like one of the biggest healthcare medical record. Um, solutions out there. So, if you got any like skills in Epic, or you look for Epic, you might find uh, jobs related to that. Um, high Trust, me, uh, Antia. High Trust is a like a certification framework for a cybersecurity framework that you can get certified in. That is for healthcare only. That is interesting. So, you might want to look into that. If you can get into H-ISAC, which is the healthcare ISAC, they typically don't let you in unless you work in healthcare, but there might be uh, opportunities there. That's what I would say. Tim McDonald, what would be your advice to get past awkwardness? Well, Tim, uh, I'm not sure what you're talking about with awkwardness as far as like public speaking or at interviews, or you're just kind of like generally awkward in general. Uh, what I would say with awkwardness is... Uh, again, I'm not an expert in these things, but what I would say is a lot of it is in your own head. So if you can, I would speak less and listen more. And I'm not saying that you're awkward when you talk to him. All I'm saying is, um, if you listen more, you can be more of an active listener. People are more interested in talking about themselves. Frankly, they'll share information. You can pull information out. You, if you're, if you're awkward in the way you speak, you, you'll be speaking less, so you'll be less awkward. And then when you do speak, it'll be more targeted and focused focused specifically on what you're talking about. Now, as far as public speaking goes, um, you, if you're awkward, you know what I would say? Again, as I'm thinking about it, Tim, buddy, just lean into it. Be, be you, right? You're not trying to be somebody for somebody else. You're trying to be you, right? So if awkward is what you do, like for me, right? Like... <laughs> Like I, as Thorne Flint pointed out earlier, I, I yell, like I get excited and I yell into this microphone. And if I'm like, sometimes I'll be like talking at dinner with my family, like at, at a a dinner table and I'll get excited and I'll start yelling at dinner. I'm like, like, Oh my God, the field trip was so good today. And my wife will be like, and bless her, bless her. Like, she's like, Jerry, like you don't need to yell at the dinner table. Like we're, we're right here. Right. So just, I I would say if it doesn't hurt anybody, Tim McDonald, lean into it, make it your brand. Right. Like, but hey, part of the thing is the perception people have of you is also related to like what you are projecting outward as to how you want to be received. So the final thing I'll say is if you are going to be, if you are awkward and it's not something you can rectify, be confident in your awkwardness. Right. Like, hey, this is who I am. If you don't like it, see ya. But otherwise, like, here we are, you know what I mean? But if you're like awkward and you're like, oh, like apologizing repeatedly for being awkward, people are gonna see it as like, oh, like this individual thinks their awkwardness is a weakness, so like I should see it that way too. Again, having said all of that, these are just my thoughts, me individually, I'm not trained in um, in, in any of this from a like, you know, um, charisma perspective or anything like that. So if anyone has any thoughts and chat around the uh, talk, Uh, tackling awkwardness, lean into it or, or, or please share it. Final, final thing I'll say. I used to be terrible at public speaking. I knew that I would have to get good at public speaking if I wanted my career to go where I wanted it to go. So I literally just leaned into it. So many public speaking engagements in front of groups of like 10 people, 15 people, 20 people, where I was like having adrenaline dumps, massive anxiety. My voice was quivering and it sucked. And I just put in the cycles, put in the time, right? And now, now look at me. I'm just screaming on a microphone every single morning to hundreds of people. And I'm, I'm, I'm chill about it. All right. um, Luke Canfield, when's, when's that vid on setting up a YouTube coming out? Oh, so Luke Canfield, I'm actually working on a course for launching a YouTube channel for cybersecurity professionals to maximize networking opportunities and professional branding. Um, once I finish cyber 101, Luke, I'm, I'm actually looking to do more of that YouTube class. The YouTube class is basically like my fun pet project. Uh, the cyber 101 is more like paying my bills and getting, you know, like, like I went, if you guys don't know, I like quit my job and went full time. Simply Cyber. Simply Cyber is a cyber education company and a podcast media group. Okay, I'm working on both. But guess what? When you tell your wife you're quitting your job to go full time on your own business, when you tell your kids that you're quitting your job and going full time, you have to make sure that you are paying your bills. And Cyber 101 is going to help me pay my bills. Um, the YouTube one will obviously help, but it's more of a fun thing. So that's what's up, Luke. Look it in Q1. Now, hey, is Gary Sturgiata still in chat? Is Gary here? I want to know if Gary's still here. All right. um, David Robbins, thoughts on the NDAA passing yesterday with no, no cyber force study. What's, hold on. I didn't, maybe I didn't read that. I did take, I did take yesterday off. All right. So check this out. This is a great, a great little thing here. Check this out. So I didn't read about this. Okay. I don't know if breakingdefense.com is right-leaning, left-leaning or whatever. And I don't know what David Robbins is talking about, but this little chat GPT plugin, I'm telling you, this thing's dope. And look at this. I can just quickly read this really quickly, right? I can just read this. I don't have to read the story. I do this periodic. Like this is a perfect example of like, David Robbins just asked me about this. So now I can be like, okay, hold on. Yesterday, the Senate passed a $900 billion act. Holy Jesus. Dude, government spending is so hot right now. That Hansel's so hot right now. Holy crap, bro. All right, $900 billion. Um, The bill goes to the House uh, and then President Biden. So it's not enacted yet. It still has to go through two other layers of approval. But, um, it will include transferring submarines to Australia. There you go. Alex Goodwin. Um, the bill, uh, retains army programs and, uh, funding for F 22s. Cause that's what we need. Uh, the DOD requires Congress to pass the annual defense bill. Pentagon's been operating under a resolution since October. Um, okay. So David Robbins says, what do I think about this with no cyber force study? um, Honestly, $900 billion, David Robbins, cyber is a absolute, very, very relevant, very, very salient capability within the army, within the Marines, within the NSA. So even if there's no space force, cyber force specific carve out, there's going to be a ton of money going towards cybersecurity, weaponry, defenses, and capabilities. So I'm not worried about that. Um, did we get Gary in here? i want to see it gary 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 i guess gary peaced out it's too bad all right uh breck means i passed a culture fit interview yesterday and have three back-to-back interviews for a devops engineer role tomorrow any suggestions on resources to study to prepare myself okay so a couple things one congratulations breck nice job on the culture fit three back-to-back interviews um, I love saying this. It's like one of my favorite things. Besides, what's up, first timers? Um, hold on. Um, what am I? What am I thinking right now? Hold on one second. Um, so Breck, I. Oh my god. Here, this answer is for for Breck means specifically. Okay, you already know what a DevOps engineer does. So I'm not worried about the actual practical capabilities, right? Um, And then personally, here you go. Here's two things. One, again, I I don't have DevOps engineer experience, but um, this this is probably the best video you can watch right here. Breck, spend an hour working on this and you will be happy, okay? So what this video does is tell you how to use ChatGPT to interview you and give you constructive feedback. And you can literally tell it that you're interviewing for a DevOps engineer position. You can literally, what I would do, um, Breck, is I would copy and paste the job, rec into ChatGPT. Follow this video. This video is going to tell you exactly what to do and how to do it. But I would post the wreck of the job in here and then ask you to interview you. And then literally, you don't even have to type. You can hit the microphone and give a verbal response as if you're being interviewed. And then ChatGPT will tell you on a score of 1 to 10 how you scored. And it'll tell you where your shortcomings were and areas that you missed speaking about. And I'm telling you, think of it as like a cheat code for the interviews tomorrow. Because you're basically getting interviewed and getting real-time feedback. Do it, and you will uh, have a better chance of freaking destroying that interview. And then next week, you can tell us that you got in. I came in like a All right. What else we got here? Uh, currently in IS. Oh, this is Netta J. Currently in ISSM for the DoD. I would like to transition to CloudSec. Should I pursue the CCSP or vendor spec such as AWS or Azure? Okay. So Jetta, uh, excuse me. Netta asks a good question. Would you do CCSP or vendor specific? If it was me, Netta, I would go get Azure or AWS certifications. Um, The CCSP is fine, but having particular experience and skills and training in the platform is more valuable. Um, It depends where you wanna go work. What I would do Netta, so on the surface, I would say go get AWS or Azure certified. Um, Going a little bit deeper, I would actually go on job boards uh, and look for jobs that require those certifications and see A, what is the population of jobs that are requiring those certifications and B, what what frequency is it? Mostly AWS, mostly Azure. I suspect it's mostly Azure. Um, and then focus that way. That's what I would do. Um, Chris Cahall, how to find cybersecurity uh, volunteer opportunities easily. Um, I wouldn't directly ask for volunteer opportunities. You well, you could do one of two things. One, you could find like you know businesses that your friends are at or businesses that you're involved with, like your church or local community, and say like you know say like, oh hey, I'm you know I'm a cybersecurity professional. Um, I would love to help you out. Don't call it like a volunteer opportunity. Don't say it's for you to get professional experience. Don't say you're doing it to learn. Say like, hey, I'm a cyber professional. Uh, I would love as a service to you. To do a risk assessment or to do a quick cyber gap analysis for your Office 365 infrastructure. Okay. Like, I can help you make sure that some of the low hanging fruit is in place. Look at the story of multi factor authentication, right? Oh, right. So, that's one angle. The second angle, um, I would like, as you're networking, Chris K. Hall, if you find people that work in cybersecurity, be like, like, Hey, like super pumped that you work in cyber, you know, a little bit of relationship, build some, some trust, build some relationship and then be like, Hey, you know, like, you know, I, I would like, if they talk about a project, be like, Hey, I'd love to help you with that project. Again, you're going to find that small businesses are way more flexible with like spinning up and spinning down volunteer resources, basically versus large companies that have policies and stuff like that. All right. Uh, Liam says I'm the man. Thank you, Liam. Uh, Mega Brood says, I got my first interview Friday. Any suggestions? I have researched the company so far. Yeah, Mega Brood. Mega Brood. Got a video for that. Obviously, this ChatGPT one's good. But what I would say is before you go to the ChatGPT one, this is one of my more popular videos on the channel. Mega Brood, watch this to crush an interview. There you go. There's the, there's that. This is 12 incredible. It says SOC analyst interview questions, but it's entry level SOC. So like really um, the questions are kind of applicable to all cyber jobs. Go watch this video. You'll love it. Super, super popular video. It's got, oh, by the way, it's got over a hundred thousand views, okay? Like not, not just, and only 3,300 likes. Let's give ourselves a like there. Pat our own self on the back. Um. By the way, congratulations, Mega Brood, on your interview. Lego Pig Guy says, "Does Simply Cyber go on holiday break during the end of the month?" No, Lego Pig Guy. I show up every day, (laughs) and if I can't, uh, good friends like Eric Taylor or Jack Scott cover for me. But we, I will not be taking any time off. I will take Christmas Day off. Christmas Day, we don't have a show, uh, but the rest of the year, we're all in. All right. Um, are you making a... Uh, okay, hold on. A back, so uh, CJ, uh, CJ says, are you making a backdoors and breaches GRC set? Um, so there is an opportunity for a GRC expansion pack from Simply Cyber for Black Hills Information Security expansion pack. But um, that's a lot of work and one I'm not ready to commit to yet. Uh, Carl is the joker. That's hilarious. Um, Ah, uh, Chris Young, thanks for the reminder on the u k government story. I basically said it in in during the show, so uh, that there's that. Uh, Quantum Carl, do you have any advice when end users push back on security controls? if it's a smaller company, oh company, I don't have much support from upper management. Um yeah, I mean, I, it depends on what you want to do, Quantum Carl. you can <laughs> you can introduce frustration to your end users, right? you can you can, Push, you can automatically push um, and just say, hey, like this is a policy. Like we're doing this. Um, like you can turn on those controls. You can, you know, you can uh, compartmentalize so they don't have access to the things that they need to. Um, and if you don't have support from up here's another thing, Quantum Carl, to put perspective in. If you don't have support from upper management around security, you can go to upper management and say, hey, listen, we are exposing ourselves to risk. If you guys are fine with that, if you guys are fine with Carl um, getting ransomware or having a business email compromise, which is basically us sending money to bad guys because you don't wanna put multi-factor authentication in place, that's fine. But it's my job to let you know that this is what we're currently exposed to. And if you're fine with that, I'm fine implementing it that way. But right now I'm getting pushback from sales department on multi-factor authentication and the risk is that we're going to get compromised. And if you're, again, make it, here's the thing, Quantum Carl, don't make it your choice. You're just a tool in the toolbox. You're, you're the tool that can make cyber risk go down for the business. It's the business's choice whether or not to use that tool. All right. What would a resume stand out for? What would make a resume, Aaron W., what would make a resume stand out the most when targeting cyber sec- now i realize this is broad so i mean it really depends on what kind of job you're going into aaron w but highlight your practical skills highlight your practical skills highlight your practical skills that's the number one thing you can do also dude i've got a million videos on the channel around um your resume and how to make your resume um work best for you i've got interviews with uh joe hudson who's an amazing person look at all these videos just go on simply cyber Look at here's, this is one of my more popular videos. Joe Hudson, this guy's a freaking legend. He tells you exactly what to do to make your resume pop. Uh, here's a video I made with ChatGPT on making your resume uh, kick at kick kick butt. So uh, here we go. Uh, whoever, I'm sorry, who asked that question? Aaron W. Aaron, what are practical skills? Amish Runaway asks. Practical skills are like, like if I say. There's a difference between like um, like theory and practice Runaway Amish, right? So like if I say, hey, we need a SOC analyst. What do you know about SOC analyst work Runaway Amish? You're like, well, I got a, a, a degree in cybersecurity and I know what threat hunting is and I know what log management is and I know what a SIM does. I've never used one. And then another person says, hi, I'm a SOC analyst. I don't know what like these things are, but I have used a SIM. I've 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 logged into a SIM. I've gotten a call from an end user or I've simulated it and I've looked in a SIM for I've done threat hunting. I've looked for indicators of compromise. I've identified malicious beaconing for C2 infrastructure. Those two things are theoretical skills and practical skills. And in the current market, a lot of Information security offices need somebody that they can take and sit at the keyboard now to work. And that's why practical skills reign supreme. You could talk about everything, but the reality is nothing like nothing in practice. The whoops in practice, it doesn't work the way it looks like in a textbook. A textbook gives you like 80% of the solution, but like even multi-factor authentication runaway Amish. I've done it multiple times in this episode, multi-factor authentication right? It sounds simple. You impl- implement it and it, it reduces cyber risk from malicious, unauthorized access. Who doesn't want multi-factor? The reality is if you've practically implemented it, you understand end-users don't read the email. End-users don't know what they're doing. End-users will show up for the multi-factor implementation seminar with their iPad and not know what their Apple um, login is. So they can't download the Microsoft Authenticator app, right? Like Practical skills reign supreme, right? And again, those are examples of like that you would only experience like if you worked through a multi-factor rollout. But my point is practical skills reign supreme, which is why doing hands-on labs and the SOC analyst lab with Eric Capuano and TCA Academy's practical network penetration tester certification is so valuable because you're literally doing the job. And final thing I'll say on that, it's why I'm going to be doing a practical enterprise risk assessment course in the second half of 2024. Guys, it's going to be bananas. I've identified a company. Okay. I've identified a company. I'm going to hire... I don't know who this is going to be yet. I'm going to hire somebody to, to like follow me around with a camera, and I'm going to execute an enterprise risk assessment on a business... And I'm going to be talking to the camera as it's, as if it's you, the student, my junior analyst on the engagement. And I'm going to walk through the entire enterprise risk assessment. Obviously I'm going to do all the work and they're going to get a free enterprise risk assessment, or maybe I can charge them like 10 grand or something, but they're going to get an incredibly deep discount. And I'm going to make it into a course where you literally transform from having no idea how to do an enterprise risk assessment to the end of the course where you have executed, you know, as best as I can make it, an enterprise risk assessment. So it's going to be pretty dope. All right. Final thing I want to share with everybody. Okay. I was hoping Gary Sergiatis was still here, but let me just show you this really quickly. Um, And then I got to go. The Cyber 101 course, like I said, I've been busting my hump on it where is it? I've been busting my hump on this thing. And one of the most recent advancements I made in it is, uh, damn it. Hold on. Let me go into chat here. One of the most recent advancements I made is the, um, the certificate of completion, right? So this is early. This is early. Okay. But this is, um, this is like kind of like where I'm thinking, and I'm oh, I'm interested in feedback. I've got Kimberly can fix it, giving me her amazing feedback. The woman is a freaking amazing professional. So I'm thinking, if you graduate my Cyber 101 course, and I use Gary Sturgiatis as my avatar, this is the draft. This is the draft certificate of completion. Okay it's 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 got it's got some tinkering to go on but i just want you all to know like when you complete the cyber 101 course that i will be releasing in january this is what the certs going to kind of look like i got to fix the fonts the spacing etc uh but if you guys like it let me know if you don't like it let me know if you got feedback let me know i'm excited tcm academy certificates of completion are so cool and i want my school's certificates to be cool. So that's what's up. Let me know in chat. All right. Final question for Eddie0543 over on LinkedIn or Discord, excuse me. By the way, glad to see you in Discord, Eddie. Eddie is a retired Air Force vet, new to cyber and currently a FedRamp consultant. I have a secret Sec plus, Cloud Plus, CCSK ITIL. I want to get into GRC. I don't, what, did you get cut off there? What's the question, Eddie? I, I don't know what the question is. All right, so hey, people like this. Yeah, casually, Joseph, $10,000 for a business enterprise risk assessment is cheap. I would, for for like a, like normally, you know, a small business, you might charge like 18 grand for like two weeks of work. Um, a, a mid-size, like 30 to 40, if you're getting into a little bit bigger, like five, six week engagement. All right. Um, but it sounds like Exodus Grind likes it. Uh ooh, space tacos. That
1: Hansel's so hot right now.
0: All right. Um people like it. All right. I'm glad you guys like it. All right. All right, guys. Uh, yes, so CJ, um, I tentatively have um, 15 CPEs tied to the Cyber 101 course, plus plus CJ. Um Again, I've got to, I got to wait until the co- the whole course is done to tell you exactly how many CPEs. But this is a full semester long college course. That's about fifteen CPEs, right? So, um, stay tuned. It will be worth three college credits. I'm getting this run through an accreditation board. Um, It won't be exactly three credits for everybody everywhere, but it's going to go through an accreditation board. It will be three credits at some colleges, and I will be giving you a downloadable packet that you can take, add a couple things to yourself, like your name, and then you can hand it to the admission. Uh, there's There's a certain department at every college that takes transfer credits and understands if it's legit. And by going through the accreditation and having the schools in Massachusetts accept it, it will make it far easier to be accepted in other programs in the United States. So it's technically going to be worth three college credits as well, which you can transfer in. So stay tuned for that. All right, guys, I gotta go. I gotta run to um, I gotta run to UPS. Uh, yeah, Amish Runaway. Practical skills is hands-on experience, but you can get it without a, a job. Like you can get it in a lab. Um all right, guys. I gotta get out of here. Thank you all so very uh oh so Eddie says I want to get into GRC, started the master class. What would be the next step? Eddie, d- d- do the master class. Like I have an entire the final module in the master class tells you how to get a job in GRC using the master class. So uh, not not to be flipping about it. I'm just I've I am just i have i have already documented all the things um that you're asking for. So just take the master class, you'll love it, and then uh giddy up on that and then also i have a video on the channel eddie of course it's my favorite thing to say i have a video on the channel and then i really gotta go guys um i got a video on the channel on right here 20 sock i mean 20 grc analyst interview questions and answers there you go eddie so once you get the interview that's how you crush it all right guys i gotta get out of here Much love. Everybody, be well. Have a great day. Uh, I'll be going to UPS, and then I'm going out. I'm taking Mrs. Ozier out for ramen. There's a ramen joint that just opened around the corner. We're going to go try it out, and then I'll be back at 4.30 p.m. Eastern time with Michelle Kahn, and we're going to straight crush it. Be well, everybody. I'm Jerry, your chat. Love this community. Be great, everybody, and we'll see you. Until next time, stay secure. I hope you enjoyed that content keep the cybersecurity train going by connecting with the other simply cyber community resources We have the discord server that's lively and always keeps the conversation going You can connect with me directly on LinkedIn and also every single weekday morning on the simply cyber channel We're doing live daily cyber threat briefings 8 a.m. Eastern time As well as Thursday at 4.30 p.m. we're doing live stream interviews with industry experts and we produce videos that we push out every Wednesday morning. I'm Jerry from Simply Cyber. I hope you enjoyed the content and we'll see you in the next one.